The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a really good show. On our 80th episode. It's a special. It's incredible. We started out in, uh, when did we start taping? Uh, back in December of last year, right? About a year ago. Yeah. yeah. I think, right. I think we started. Fritz Diedel Ice Rink. Yeah, and rip to the Fritz Diedel Ice Rink. For anyone in North Jersey or Rockland County or even the New York area, they know that rink. It's the old, well, that's where we met. It's hold a special place in my heart, Tom. Yeah, we started dating. Well, yes, mandating. And that Fritz Dietl was a, an old barn built in the 50s to be a skating rink. It somehow became a hockey rink, but it was very unique in that. <laughs> yeah. There were no boards. No benches, no boards. No benches, no scoreboard. You no went down the wall. <laughs> That's it. There's no corners. So the corners are just, if you buckle in the corner, it's like, okay, go get it. Um, the way to get on the rink was through those galley doors. Right. And you go right into the snack bar right there. That's know. it. Right. You get checked hard enough, you're ordering fries. <laughs> But yeah, we met there at a Ranger Learn to Play event. Or no, I think it was like a, just a holiday thing Fritz Dito was doing. And we started begging me, like grabbing on my leg and begging me to do the podcast. It was a little like that. Yeah, it was like, it was like, uh, it was, uh, what's his name? Jeff Van Gundy. Well, he grabbed yeah, Alonzo Mooney right. right in that fight. It was pulling him like a. That was funny. Oh, that was funny. No, but we, we decided, we we talked and yeah. you were doing a couple of things. And I said, I was in media. And you said, oh, that's great. Let's, uh, let's get on call tomorrow, which we did. Yeah. And I said, I like what you're doing, but I think. You know, you could do it a little differently. And yeah, you went through it enough. But when you said that to me first, you know how stubborn I am. It's like, what were you talking about? <laughs> Fuck this guy. Yeah. What does he do? Now all of a sudden you got the microphones a little bit and I've got, oh, okay, now I see. Yeah. And it looks, and you've done 80 shows since with some really excellent guests, some really yeah. great stories, some funny stories, some sad stories. Yeah. We learned all about Tom. Yeah. Many times over. And and the fans love that. Barry Shelley, I know in particular, loves the, the Tom Laidlaw stories. How many, uh, how, who, let's, who's the funniest guy you think we had? Uh, Vakoda was really good. Yeah, Grant Marshall was good too. Grant Marshall was good. Yeah. Um, the, the combination of uh, Vakoda and Beeline uh, was good too. Great. Beeline was funny too. You know, and then there were guys like Luke Robitaille was just infectious with his positivity. Yeah. You know, yeah. he just, and also Kelly Rudy was a great guest too. Yeah. Pierre our first, Pierre LaRouche was good. Yeah. There you go. Our first guest, Pierre LaRouche, was excellent. He was, uh, he was the very first episode we put out, number one. Yeah. And uh, he was great. He was real fun. Some Jim, Jim Kite was fantastic too. Jim Kite was a great guest. So people, yeah, you know, we probably discussed this, but uh, he's totally deaf. And uh, for us to do the show, like normally we're told to kiss the mic. Uh, so I've got the mic up high like that. For him though, I had to lower the mic so he could lip read. Yeah. Uh, which, and I, I didn't know how bad his uh, hearing loss was. I knew he had a hearing problem. Uh, but to watch him play, you just wouldn't know. I remember he talked about how his mother really made it that, okay, you're not going to have a handicap. You're not going to fall back on the machine. No, just get out there and go. It all, I mean, it helps that he's also 6'5 and could move yeah. the puck. That's true. And get throw. That guy, yeah. could, he could fight. Um, and he told that great story about David Brown and how he was up, you know, for weeks before the, the rematch with Brown and he was terrified that Brown wouldn't fight him because his mom was there. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That is funny too. You think we like guys, you're just scared to death of these guys, right? They go, I can't, my mother's sure. David Brown, as we know, you told the story several times how he you he hated you when you were at the Rangers. Oh, you got to, and then when you got to LA, he was like, hey, what's up, bud? Yeah, I know. We slid up and he said, and said hello to me. Hey, Tom, how you doing? How's LA? It must, have, like a, it must have been a piano off your chest, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Totally, yeah. yeah. But it's funny, too, you, you know, when you get to meet these guys that you played against and they're tough guys, you realize, I mean, they're just great guys and they just have a job to do up there. Right? Yeah, and some of that job is pounding people. Others is, you know, scoring goals. In your case, it was getting the puck out of the zone, moving it to somebody else and covering in front of your net. Quickly. Yeah, Hold the broke that was good, wasn't he? Like, yeah, really impressive, like the way he protected business. Remember he talked about how he wanted the people working at the, with the Kings to really change the way they talked to people. Yeah. To really be yeah. able to 
professional. Would, amazing. Um, and, and they did. And look at, look at that culture. And they threw what, two cups now. And, you know, they were, they were laughing stock. No offense till Gretzky got there, but they still hadn't won. Well, you know what? We, we actually had a good team. Uh, it's just that we just didn't, couldn't get over the hump. And like, nobody's coming to build either. It's pretty empty. Well, once Wayne got there, then it went crazy. Oh, yeah. Man, it was a nerf yet. He got there the first game, and they had the Rory Orbison was singing the national anthem. And uh, I was sitting on the, or standing on the blue line beside Paul Fenton. And I'm a big country fan, so Rory Orbison, I knew who he was. I thought he was a big superstar. But Paul Fenton goes, who is that? Rory Orbison, you goof. I'm sure you got to know everybody at that point, though, you know, especially the ones that are coming through those games. And, and again, we talked about this a lot of times with that Kings team, but it was a real rock star mentality. I mean, there should be. Yeah, but we should produce a documentary on that team because it yeah. was, no, hockey hadn't seen anything like that. Oh. Probably hasn't since, you know. I know I've told the story, but I think it's worth repeating on the show that uh, I'll never forget. We went into Montreal uh, late in the first season. So we're right back there. We're two, two in the league and Montreal, I think that's the best team in the league. Saturday night game, Hockey Night Canada. I had Race Gambinello, linesman. I'm on the bed, get ready to start a game. He's the blue line. He's over to me. Tommy, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Like he was, he'd done games for 20 years. Yeah, it's great to see you and uh, see how you're fired up right now talking about it 30 years later and like we watching it, it was like that was the coolest thing. It was, yeah. You guys are almost like the Lakers of, of Yeah, we really were. And everywhere we went, it was, I remember our first training camp we had up in Victoria. We'd, we'd go out and the guys all go together, you know, uh, you know, the families all summer long, so we're going out and have a few beers. It was just, I've never been around Wayne before in a social setting like that. And it was just, I felt bad for him actually. He just couldn't move. Zoom. Yeah, yeah and, and but and speaking of Wayne, though, you know, we're coming up on episode come up to 100 soon so yes. keep your eyes peeled for uh, what we do at the end here yeah but we we've had some great guests we had we had a lot of flyers on the show too we had flyer legends right yeah brian prop your buddy you played we went down to his event we had yeah. a friend bernie prop we didn't think about we should have gone on the boat ride with him yes he was good too he was great he, i didn't realize he was so positive and like uh, disciplined and only too like the positivity so it's good but yeah like robotai he was his positivity was infectious too and you could see why he's someone everybody wants to be around because yeah. he's just so freaking positive you know and he actually really is a great guy too i've asked him i try not to ask him for too much stuff but if somebody's going out to la they want to go to the game he's always helpful yeah. in fact one time i had an old uh, kid that i coached he was going out there with his buddy and uh, luke had him up to the to the suite to the owner suite yeah, that's great, man. You kids better not go around up there. So you, you, you so you got to get out to LA, man. You got to go out to, or I'll go out to LA and we'll go, go see yeah. the Kings game. Yeah, definitely. And Bernie Perot was great too. He and he invited us to his, and you know, you, you do a lot of these shows, and people say things like, "Oh, let's get together, let's hang out." Yeah, I know. And you, you throw it out to like, oh, they're just saying that, you know. But then, yeah. no, but then Bert, his wife, who was great, his wife Jenny, was like, "Okay, so when are you guys coming?" You know, she's a very intelligent person. She's got great taste too. Like on the show, she looked and said, "Wow, who is that handsome guy?" When she looked at me. Like, I really admire her for her taste. I think she meant Bernie, uh, but did she mean you? Yeah, no question. Yeah. Uh, we don't. I mean, if somebody, if there's 10 people in the room and somebody says he's good looking, it's automatically me. You're going to take that W every time. Oh, absolutely. No question. I do it with a zeal, too. Like, I just don't go halfway. Like, I go right after. I grab it. Go hope it. Right there. Yeah. We had some great guests, too. Some non-hockey player guests. We had uh, Ken Hitchcock recently in the Hall of Fame. We had... Um... Okay, we're going to back up on him for a second. Sorry, here we go. So he was he was uh, backing up uh, Mike Babcock. Babcock had just gotten the job yeah. in Columbus. He said, "Oh no, he's changed." And I like it. So I got to be careful. I shouldn't be talking about his back. But I think we were. I was very honest with him with my criticism too. And yep. you tell he accepted it well and talked about how, you know, he, he changed. He knew he had to be better with players. And then all of a sudden, you talk about Babcock too, and then Babcock ended up getting fired again. So I think he was hopeful that Babcock had turned a new leaf, but yeah, yeah. Apparently he hadn't. So, and I think you know there's a respect there because he's a, he is a good coach. Babcock really does know how to coach. He's a good hockey coach. Dallas Drake talked about that. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. Was, oh no, you know one of the funniest one too. So you know, he bounced around here. Um, Morris Lukowitz. He's great. Remember a couple of times there where I tried to say, hey, "Okay, let's go on to this thing." You know, no, no, Tommy, I want to finish the story. Yeah, and he did. Yeah, tenacious, <laughs> there was no sound of him. Tenacious in the corner. You got to respect yeah. that. Totally, there's no stopping him. We had, we had some non-hockey shows. We had Ricky McGuire of Subway Creatures, who was yeah. great. You guys are supposed yeah. to go hang out in some cool yes. places yeah. in New York, some secret places. And we also had Rob Burnett, the executive producer of The Late Show with David Letterman, yeah. who we're going to go to his um, Burnett Hockey League in February and check out his outdoor games in Greenwich. Yeah. And we had Malik Garvin from Hockey in Harlem, a great organization that does wonderful things. Bruce McNall. Bruce, Bruce McNall was excellent. Yeah. yeah. Neil Smith was another yeah. one. That was a good one by Neil Smith, right? A lot of a lot of stuff that we didn't hear before about how to win in '94 Cup and why he didn't keep getting the jobs and all that. Kind yeah, of that. and his his disdain for Mike Keenan, and I'm sure it's mutual, is evident, and he had no no bones about bringing that up. Yeah, you know? wouldn't it be funny to get Mike Keenan on the show? I mean, yeah, let's do it. I reached out to him, and uh, it's funny because I, you know, I we get contacts. And I reach out to all these guys, and I said, I reached out to Mike and I said, Hey, Mike, I'd love to get you on the show. 
And I got a text back right away. He's like, do you mean Keenan? He's like, that old dog. And he's like, this is not his number, but it'd be great to hear him on your show. Oh, is that right? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, you, you had a lot of your ex-clients, Brian Boucher, uh, Darts, Marie, fired, yep. Uh, Thorin Barad did not fire you, right? Hey, right at the very end, he, there's really no jobs left over here. So there was an agent over in Russia that I really didn't have connections there. Gotcha. Yeah. With John yeah. O'Gronick, you had him in, as a, in your stable at, at one yeah. point, right? Yeah, John O'Gronick, Johnny O. What a gentleman he is too, right? He's got that classy guy, you know, still playing hockey. 400 goals in the NHL. Yeah. Well, um, good too. The uh, Craig Legwood was good. Oh, it was great. Speaking of classy guys, you had Ulf Nielsen. We had um, Wolkachuk, two classy Rangers. Yes. Wolkachuk was good, too. Talking about how he was not too happy with some of his teammates at the, uh, yeah. at the finals in 79. The young one. I had, I had not heard that before. Yeah. We had your infamous uh, Tim and Tom partner, uh, yeah. Tim Marty Waters, who was great. Okay, yeah, we had Robert Picard on, too, and you tried to stir the pot pretty good that day. We had two fight, two guys you fought, Robert Picard, who you didn't really fight, you suckered him, and we had um, Brad Smith. That's Smith. And those are, you know... But to Lado W, kudos on to you, man. Yeah, the Picard one was what. Yeah, he didn't have much of a choice. That was when uh, I, either I was going to play in the NHL or he or I, he was going down or I was going to the minors. So um, he went down. Classy guy though. He was like, no, it's all good. It's hockey. Yeah. And he talked. Yeah, I know. Then he had a solid corner. career. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. He wouldn't yeah. take yeah. the game. Anyone all star. We had the uh, head of the alumni association, Glenn Healy, who told some great stories. You know what? Just oh. ask him one question. He'll go for forty five minutes. Listen, that's what we need. Yeah, that's what we want. So. Yeah, but then there's no time for me to talk. Yeah. You know, that's funny. Like, when you and I do this banter back and forth, you're great, and we exchange ideas, and we talk, and I talk, and you talk, and we throw things in when there's a guest and you, and if I jump in, you're like, okay, on to the next thing. <laughs> you roll right through it. So, <laughs> I Isn't that the theme with me, though? I just steamroll through it. I'm the steamroller laid law. Yeah. I want to just highlight some, you know, we have a lot of listeners, and we're blessed to have that, and I think it's wonderful that people listen to our show, and I'm very thankful for it, but we've had listeners from, pretty much in every state in in the, in, in the country and in Canada. And we've had countries all over the world. We've had the U.S., of course, Canada. We've had United Kingdom, Finland, Spain, Romania, Hungary, Bosnia, Japan, Singapore, uh, China. Hong Kong. So it, Hong Kong, yeah. You think that's Barry, though, right? Barry Mack, which was another great episode, too. Yeah. Good to see Barry getting He was not doing well. He talked about it publicly when I saw him at the Regions Golf Tournament, uh, what, two years ago. He was not doing very well, uh, but he's got a, the Rangers play, and the you know, alumni really helped him a lot. He himself, obviously, too, so he's doing much better now. So I just want to shout, yeah, I want to thank any of I want to thank our listeners in Hong Kong, but also in Romania, Spain, Finland, Sweden, Switzerland, Poland, Germany, Cuba. Wow, Cuba. We're having, we're having speaking of Finland, we're having Rayleigh Slanin come on, aren't we? He's coming on the show, too, so is Eddie Belfort. we got some great guests coming out. And to our, to our listeners in Vietnam, thank you for listening, and, and in Ireland as well. Um, thank you. Your accent must have got them to listen to the show, Tom. I'm sure. Yes, you. We Bonnie Lodge, you. We Bonnie Scottish. Scottish. But anyway, uh, again, we want to thank our, our listeners for for being on board with us and for going on the journey. And we want to talk a little bit about hockey because it was it's been kind of a, a great season so far for the New York Rangers, and a lot of our listeners are Ranger fans. Right? What do you, what are your thoughts on the club, Tom? Well, I thought Chris Drury did a great job, uh, kind of retooling the team, bringing in Jonathan Quick was a huge move, uh, and it was interesting talking to Luke Robitaille when he was uh, he had. Josh Quick in L.A. for his whole career, and he said that's the best leader he's ever seen, uh, which I was surprised by. But I think that makes a difference in the locker room. I think that's what Chris Drury really went for, trying to try to change the culture a little bit in the locker room, um, and he certainly did. He signed a bunch of older guys, a bunch of few older guys to one-year deals. So now they're hungry. They want to keep their careers going. It's not much of a risk. They're all like an 850, so yep. not, not, not a big chunk of the cap heating up. But uh, you just, I mean, I think the part of the team was they just needed to mature a little bit. They had a lot of young kids playing a key role. And they really done it. So I, I told you I went to an event with that Braden uh, Schneider, and what an impressive young man as a person. I think very often, especially in hockey, you see those character guys. They typically, if they're skilled players, uh, then they can that character uh, part of the personality comes out in the game too. So, because, so the future is fantastic for them. Um, Shosturkin had a little bit of a rough goal there, but he's back. I think playing his hockey. So, listen, they're as good as anybody else in the National Hockey League. So they're they're in that group of probably ten teams that have a chance to win the cup oh, for sure. And Jerry did great, you know, a couple of things you mentioned quick and being a leader. I wasn't aware that he was the leader like that, but yeah, apparently is. And, you know, people were really down on him in the preseason. He didn't play great. He was older. And I think he's nine and one now, right? It's been incredible for them. Yeah. With an older guy like that, preseason means nothing. He's just yeah. trying to get himself ready. Uh, yep. he does, he's not worried about results necessarily because it doesn't mean anything. He's done enough. He's won two Stanley Cups with the Kings already. So just get himself ready for the season. So he's obviously a tough enough kid to know, okay, people are going to say bad things, but I don't care. I'm there. I'm getting myself ready. And, and a huge signing that gets kind of overlooked was uh, was Nick Benino. 
Yeah. Who's a Stanley yeah. Cup winner. Yeah. Great center, a fourth line center, really going to face off. And that's a key. Trocek's taking his game to another level with the Rangers. Yeah. He's the leading face off guy in the league. He's so really didn't know that. Oh, he's like, I didn't know that. Team. There's another highlight from the show, too. I didn't, how many times we should go back? How many times have I said that? If anyone's listening, you want to tell us, please let us know how many times Tom says, Oh, I didn't know that. But and then, so Tom's got this 100%. I asked him a question. He just stopped saying it. I stopped oh, saying it. Come on. That's, that's part of who you were. No, I, I'm going to come up with something else. But Trocek is. The top top freezer guy in the league, and that, that's that's huge because, as you know, possession is is enormous because you're not chasing down the puck; you have the puck. Yeah. And that with you know, even though they've had injuries to Hedl and Kako, they've still been able to like plug those holes. You know, Willie Cooley has been a has been a solid rookie for them. Yeah. And they lost Fox for a while too, and they had to overcome that. So they did, and yeah. Gustafson stepped into that uh, opening, and you know they they've played really well. If you're a Ranger fan, you have to be very excited. I love uh, Truba too; he spanks people out there, and he's good. Yeah, and they, you know there was a good call the other night. Uh, the the most recent game, uh, the Buffalo game, I think it was uh, Eric Johnson. There was a someone threw a big hit. A Cooley threw a big hit, and Johnson started a fight, and he got the instigator. Good. And that's what they should do more because with clean hits like Treba hits, when they're clean, and, and the one Cooley threw, you know, if you start a fight because of a clean hit, you should get the instigator penalty. And that's a new trend within the last like five years. That didn't have to happen. That didn't happen like that. We talked about this too. If it was a big hit, we would get retribution of that player, but we would wait talk to him all game long, say, we're coming, we're coming. Right. Wait for the right moment when the game's out of hand, then you take your run out. Yeah, someone throws a big hit now, they're dropping the gloves right away. Yeah. So it's, it's, it doesn't make know. any sense. I'm surprised coaches let that happen too. I thought, to me, if I'm coaching, I would make that more of a point of uh, reference and say, listen, guys, no, that's a bad penalty. Wait. You know, it's better to wait. Let that guy wait all game long, know that it's coming to somebody. For sure. Yeah. You get his number. We got the, we remember saying that we were playing. Oh, I got his number. I got his number. I got his number. It's coming. Yeah. And the new Great. nickname for you to uh, the show, Smitty. Was my nickname growing up playing hockey. Yeah, so we're getting that going again. Smitty. And as as I told as I anyone who I played hockey with will call me that, but I hated it because I hated Billy Smith. And oh, he was, yeah. you know, he was the Ironer goalie and that was no good. But right. um yeah, I, I was Smitty for a long time. I could take it again. That's fine. All right. Yeah. Smitty. Now, we're not we're not referring to like Smitty for like Billy Smith. No, or like Brad Brad uh Brad Smith, Motor Well his nickname is Motor. Um but you know, as mentioning the Islanders and Billy Smith, their team is actually they've picked it up and they're playing really well this season. Yeah. yeah. And if you're Pittsburgh, an Islanders fan, Pittsburgh's still struggling, right? They had a hard time yeah. power play. The Devils are also struggling a little bit too. Yeah, that's, that's a surprise. surprise. That's probably the biggest surprise in the league, I think. Well, I think I think the biggest surprise in the league is the Philadelphia Flyers. In a good way, yeah, in a very good way. Yeah, they're playing Tortorella's got him playing great hockey. He does that. He just wears stand on guys that, like I admire him. He gets all, most out of his players, but after a while. Especially the culture is different now. The players kind of tune him out after a while. And they get a bit tired of playing, playing. Yeah, but he, you know, he did a great thing. He had that kid who was battling cancer on the bench. Yeah, and he was like, "I don't care." He's like, "Anything you guys deal with is nothing compared to this kid." So if this age means yeah. anybody, I don't care. Well, you know, this kid's getting a day, and it was that was kind of awesome. You know? Yeah, he's good at that. Really building character in, that, in those ways. Uh, I remember we uh, for the alumni, we had a meeting. We had him in while he was coaching, and he talked about like you know the old days we're drinking beer. He says, "Yeah, I, th- I wish the guys would do that more now." He, he, yeah, you know, he doesn't yeah. Like go get drunk and promote Kriggy, but it's that, that whole team bonding thing. Well, that's that's so important, and that's why like anyone who's coached youth hockey knows like the most important part is practices, X's nose games. But when they go away and they're in a hotel, play mini sticks and run around like nuts, that's when they're bonding, and that's when the kids. And that's same thing with you guys when you get in your shenanigans on the road, you know, moving furniture into the hallway and goofing around with each other and going to number five orange. Yeah, that's when you guys bonded, you know. I know. Oh, it's funny. So you know, I, I think you told this to uh, Donald Fair, who runs the uh, NHL Player Association now. Obviously, was baseball before, and they had a thing in there where they negotiated the CBA, where the guys could all have their own single room. Right. And uh, it had never been like that in National Hockey before. You always had to have a roommate, unless you know go negotiate that on your own in your own contract. And I told him, I said, "You're going to ruin the culture of the game. Yeah. Part of the fun and the, com- the camaraderie is having a roommate on the roads." Absolutely, and it's such. I'm surprised they got rid of that because it's such a you know, I know what they're doing, but it's like, man, you're right. That's such an opportunity to just bond with somebody, you know, have a room yeah. and, you know, do things. But hopefully these guys still do the dinners and they still go out and they still, you Yeah, know, they don't as much. I mean, you, part of it, you think they get some guys on the team's making like $10, $12 million and the other guy's making $850,000. So it's just still a lot of money. But when you're going out to a restaurant, like the, these guys that are making the $10, $12 million are flying around with private jets, going to all the fancy restaurants. Yeah, but but well, hold on, Tom. When you were on the Kings, you were making 300000 a year? Yeah. Okay, what was Wayne making? Four? Uh, four. About four million. million. So that's a lot more than, you know, that's the same yeah. kind of disparity, you know? But you know, again, they had just different cult. Like part of the culture was that bonding. I don't think that's there. Now, it's not that these guys are bad guys and not team players, but I don't think the bonding means as much to them as it did to us back then. Um, so. I don't know. You, you know, yeah, I don't, I mean, 
Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's just different, you know. It's like, like for example, like brawls on the ice. Like if somebody did one of our guys, it's it's an automatic. Like if it's bad enough, there's a brawl. On the ice. I remember played a game in Chicago and uh, Jack O'Callaghan was playing for Chicago. Came in and crossed Dave Maloney in the face, wow. and then that was a huge brawl. Everybody's up there. There was no hesitation of that. And I'm not saying the guys wouldn't do that now, but it's just that I think it's and again not in necessarily a bad way because these guys are fantastic athletes, totally dedicated, totally professionals. It's just that things have changed. Cultures change. So well, yeah, but they took bench clearing brawls out. They can't do that. Um, they can have line brawls. You can have five or five brawls. Yeah, can have bench clear. Well, we couldn't technically have uh, clearing the benches either, so we did it. But Kerry Frazier mentioned the reason why they got rid of that. It makes sense is that they lost a TV contract. They said you can't yeah. have this, these melees on the ice. So they yeah, you know, I never thought of that before. Yeah, I was at a game with a guy as a hedge fund manager, and is at these years ago. So I think the fighting was still going on more. There wasn't the change in the penalty rules. And right. uh, he talked about, he was at the game with the big brawl with the Devils. Uh, they had the five on five. And he said, it's terrible. I said, I thought it was great. Do you like that passion? Sure. But I mean, do you want that? I don't know. Do you well, like you that? said it, particularly, listen, you go to Madison Square Garden, there's a brawl going on. Everybody in the building standing up cheering. So yep. like, it's, the, the difference is the TV. So like people can sit at home with their clicker and change channels. Now. So the brawl is going on and on forever. After a while, a TV, it, it doesn't it doesn't relate to, you can't see the physical. Right. So well, let me ask you this. You know, did you guys, yeah, I mean, we always talk about how when the fan, when you guys are on a power play and the fans yell shoot, everyone's like, just stop. We, we're, we're trying to shoot. Yeah. But what, whenever there was a fight, the crowd would go crazy when they fell to the ice. And I feel like a good, like a, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm I think it was like an indicator. Whoever's up top was an indicator. Who won, That's who won the fight. Yeah, but it's so stupid. Like, I guess it's fans. You know, but then you, you had guys, fighters like Ty Domi was doing the belt thing. And like, oh, yeah. Nicky would pump up the crowd. You know, people would get the crowd going. So yeah. maybe, I don't know, maybe it does. Well, lie. that is part of like the strategy for fighting back then. That was part of it. Like, don't, if you're on the road and you're winning the game, don't get into a fight because you're going to stir up the other team and the fans. Like, there's a reason why to do it. Most guys were pretty strategic with that. Uh, sometimes they just get mad, get a fight. But it's the yeah. strategy to it, yeah. But you wouldn't, you don't want to poke the sleeping bear, you know, like let yeah. it, let it, you know, let him, let him be. But you talked about some of your fights that we had Barrett Smith. We had, um, we haven't had McSorley on yet. We have to get him on because you, yeah, well, Mark would be a good guest. Yeah. Man, I'll never forget that. I guess that was his rookie year and I didn't know who he was. I knew he was a big tough guy, big strong guy and everything. Uh, so he was pretty good scrap. I probably got the early part of it. He got the, the latter part of it. Um, and then I see all the guys he's fighting after and like he fought everybody. There's nobody. Yeah, and, and, you know, we've asked this question of a lot of fighters, and, and it's an important one. We said, did you like fighting? Yeah. And some of them did. A few, a handful did like fighting. What did Darren Langdon say? Did he say like that? He didn't care. He didn't care about anything. He did great. <laughs> Remember we asked him, so what have you done after the game? Well, I went home. Luther. Well, <laughs> what, I think he opened up a bar, right? That, that was his deal? Yeah, he opened up bar, Langer's bar. Yeah. But he's like, yeah. yeah. He's like, did you have any damages in fighting? No. Did it bother you to fight? No. He's just like he, he was. He's a fantastic. Wasn't the best interview because he just he's just this good normal guy and nothing going on. Yeah, no, I thought it was great because he 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 does he is like a kind of like a sly newfie. Like he he knows it and he kind of plays into it. Oh, and he gives it he gives it to me sometimes pretty good. Yeah, that's great. Another newfie who we had who was great is is um, also known as Ted Hitchcock on the hit show Shorzy. We had um, we had Terry Ryan on and he was excellent. Yeah, you know what we are going to get onto? I forgot to tell you this. We got to get Jim McKenzie on. Yeah, like I was looking through my contact list. I, I remember I represented him right at the end of his career. So I've got to you know, get you his contact. So biggest wrench in your hockey, right? Biggest, <laughs> biggest wrench. Well, remember talking to Dallas Drake about that? So they played together, and uh, he got uh, Jim McKenzie got traded to Phoenix when Dallas was there, and he's laughing because the guys have all sort of the rumors about the size of his uh, his junk, and uh, they couldn't wait for him to go in the shower. Everybody just bolted in the shower to take a look at it. And they're all like giving him a high five, clapping. <laughs> That's what we're weird. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you mentioned that before, how it's weird. But to us, like, we spent the whole, our whole lives, like, being, making the locker room guys after the games. Like, oh, oh, you guys were super gay back in the 80s. No stop, doubt. Stop, stop, Come on, you guys tie each other's junk up and, you know, oh. peeing in cups and oh, it's super gay. And that's fine. You know, it's bonding. But uh, you, you want to, I'm embarrassed by that stuff, to be honest with you. Like, I think that, that was one of the stupidest things we ever did have, uh, hazing like that. Did, not, well, did nothing for anybody in the locker room. Didn't help the kid that got in haze, didn't help us. Well, I know you've mentioned on the show several times how the, it's gone, and Zadino Chara is an example, but it, it does make no sense. Like, they, these teams and these leaders just said, we're, we're not doing this. Yeah. And you shouldn't do it. It's stupid. You also shouldn't make the rookies pay. I mean, the rookies are making league minimum, and, you know, there's guys on the Rangers making 8, 10, 12 million. Like, they should be. Well, like, I think when they first started doing that, the guys really piled onto. They were ordering bottles of champagne, Dom Perry, right. and all this kind of stuff. I think that's kind of settled down now. The, the novelty over all that is kind of sure. gone. And again, that doesn't do anything for. 
doesn't help the team. Like any kind of hazing, really. Then, like you said, Zidane Ochera got interviewed and talked about that. He said, it does nothing. It doesn't help our team at all. Right. It's not helping our team. We're not doing it. So. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so aside from yourself, because we know this is true, who was the biggest ball buster you played with? Oh, there's a few. Uh, I'll go Gresham was pretty good. Uh, really? Yeah, he even dig pretty deep. Uh, there was no, he was funny. We, we saw a funny video. We trying to find it. Phil Vespasio had retired and was doing an interview at Rye Plainland, our practice ring. And then right play, then this is just a gun um, balcony up top. Yep. And then the locker room's down, down below. I think he, was, he might have been interviewing Nikki too, Nikki Fatio. Okay. And Gresh found one of those air horns. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. And they, they filmed it and, and played it actually too. And the MSG was hilarious. And Gresh, it, a little bit of luck involved because he couldn't really see what they were doing, but he knew they were doing an interview there. Right. So Phil would start to talk and Gresh would hit the horn. Right. And he'd keep on going, hitting the horn. So Phil would be forced to stop. So they'd wait for a few minutes thinking Gresh had gone away and they'd start interviewing again. And Gresh would just hit the horn again. <laughs> and oh and Phil started getting mad. He started yelling at Gresh. So the Gresh would wait for a little bit. He'd let the interview get going and start blowing the horn again. It was like, they we've got to find a video because I've seen it. It was one of the funniest things, both the fact that Gresh was able to time it properly and Phil was starting to get mad too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So then he so, kept going. So, so Gresh was doing that. Like, you know, he's the one that got Nikki's um, shirt that he, this red and white checkered shirt that he liked so much. It looked like a tablecloth from the Italian restaurant. So uh, Gresh was hurt. Nikki's on the ice, and Gresh went to the trainers to get like the uh, corner store, get the uh, bars with the flour in it, salt, pepper shakers. So they had the whole thing set up in the middle of the locker room. And uh, <laughs> Nikki walks in at first. He sees the table, doesn't think too much of it, doesn't realize it's his shirt. And then he sees that it's his shirt. And we've talked about this before with Nikki, where he initially would get mad. And so he started chasing Gresh around. He grabbed his nose and pinched his nose and put a blood vessel in it. So his nose was all red and then turned and bruised it. And uh, Nikki settled down after a while, but uh, wait, Nikki was that, wait, 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 can we back up? He grabbed Gresham's nose, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and just squeezed it like really tight, his fingers around it, you know, and squeezed it. And Gresh was screaming in pain. Uh, and it, I think it burst the blood vessel so that like it wasn't bleeding, but the skin was all you know, wow, bruised. Yeah, I remember reading an article as a kid. Frank Brown wrote a year in an article about how uh, the Rangers were, were still light team because Nikki Fatia was the biggest practical joker yeah. on the squad, he was good. Did he ever get into anything with anybody like for real on your team? Like, you know, those practice real Arabs? Uh, no, I don't believe he ever did. Like, uh, he was very respectful that way. Like he was, you know, a tough man. I just, and I don't think anybody wanted to mess with him either. Uh, so no, I don't think there was ever any times. And he right. did some stuff that was like, even over the, even online a couple of times. Well, not maybe not overline, right to the line with the practical jokes. Like the stuff, they, I can't remember who he did it with. You're in a hotel and there's a lobster tank down at the restaurant. So he went and grabbed the lobster, uh, snuck into a guy's room and put the lobster on his chest while he was sleeping. Oh no, who was it? Yeah. Who, who did you remember? Oh, come on, Tom. I really, I, it might've been like a Pat Sheehan or something like that, or a okay. Pat Hickey, something like in that area. And he also tells the story about how um, they're in the hotel and he, Anders, Anders Hedberg and Alf Nielsen were in the room together. So uh, Nick went, I, I don't think he pulled, did he pull the fire alarm? I don't think he did. I don't think he'd go that far. Anyways, he called the room pretending that he was working for the hotel. And he said, listen, there's a fire in the hotel. You've got to oh, go yeah. downstairs. So Anders and Alford, they're, I think they made about their underwear on, or they were naked. So they grabbed their trench coats because they, they told, listen, you got to get out. You got to get out of there now. So um, he, 
they go downstairs and uh, they're the only two standing outside to get the trench coats on. And I think Nikki went down there and started laughing. And there's no, one of Anders or Ulfing said to him, that was a funny yoke. Like he couldn't, th- he couldn't say Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. So he was good. Nikki Gresh. Um, yeah, we had some fun in that locker room. Who else? James Patrick. You know, he was a good guest too, by the way. Um, he was a great guest. He's on yeah, twice. Jane was kind of like a, a quieter kind of way. Like he could get some subtle little jabs in there. And he was that kind of respected guy. So when he did it, it was kind of like, that's coming from James Patrick. Like, I mean, you couldn't really believe that he was saying something like that. You know? Right. But uh, he was funny. He was a really good interview too. Him and, him and Dave Maloney were great. They're great. Dave Maloney's a very classy guy, almost like the old professor, you know, like the. Uh... Do you know who else was a good practical joker, a uh, funny guy? Uh, so two guys out in LA, Bernie Nichols. He had some really good sense of humor. Episode nine. Um, and uh, Larry Playfair, who we're going to get on as well. He returned my call the other day and I got to get back to you. Man, he was funny. Like, again, he would do the practical jokes and he'd come in the locker room before practice and like, a couple hours before it said like he'd do st- silly little things like he put a paper cup filled with water uh above somebody's stall and then he'd run a skate lace all the way around the locker sure. and then have it go down to his stall and so he'd wait for the person to get in obviously he'd tie it to the cup he'd wait for the person to come in then he pulled a string and the cup would fall down if nice. really it, the funny part was the work he put into it, it really wasn't sure. it was water you know I, I think it helps too that that he was a, a tough guy just yeah. like nicky like they you know they could get away with it because what are you gonna do you're gonna square up the liar play fair yeah you know the other guy too maybe not it's funny, but uh, Larry Robinson was the same way. Just a little kid in the locker room. Just hilarious. That's amazing because uh, one of the greatest defensemen of all time. Totally, yeah. Not you. I mean, come, not you. I mean, Larry Robinson, one of the greatest defensemen oh, of all oh, time. Oh, sorry. Well, you're one of the defensemen of all time for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, Marty McSorley, um, it, so he would get on John Tonelli all the time. So John Tonelli had a teenage daughter, and Marty would always make Oh, boy. Oh, man, she's, she's hot. And he did it to, to John because John, if John just let it go, it would, wouldn't be a big deal. It seemed to say John was a little bit crotchety, right? Like a little oh, bit. Yeah. yeah. And Wondering. John was very, like he's a perfectionist. So he still liked this in his life. So before the game, he'd have three sticks taped up perfectly, all the same. And he'd put them by his stall in a certain position. And they, everyone would be exactly the same. So he looked at it. It's just like perfection. So uh, so before the game, we're just about to go on the ice. Marty picks his nose and wipes the trigger <laughs> on, on Tonelli's stick. So now Marty's one of the toughest guys. Why? <laughs> That's the whole point. There was no reason why. So uh, Tonelli gets mad and jumps on Marty. And we're, and we're about to go on. We're all dressed and ready to go. And uh, John jumps on Marty. And he's gone down on the floor of the locker room. And again, we're all sitting in our stalls watching this. You know, Larry Robinson's there, Wayne Gretzky, right. all these legendary players. And we're looking like, we. I don't think we did anything because we were just in shock. And I think Marty was even in shock too, thinking, you never thought John would jump on like that. It's almost like when Ralphie beat up the the kid in in a uh, Christmas story. Like, yeah, found, yeah, in that rage. Oh, funny! The, I'll tell you, the locker room in general was a funny place. It, they really—that's one of the things that you know. I wish you could record some of the stuff. You couldn't record all the stuff. And you know that that's it's interesting you say that, Tom, because I think every guest we've asked, like, what do you miss most? Yeah. They always say being with the boys in the room. Yeah. Oh, totally. There's some great times. You know, traveling with the team, the, the hotel stuff, like we told the story about the guys taking the furniture out of our room and putting it out in the hall. Well, what do you miss the most? Because you don't like having anybody around you anymore. So like, what do you- I wasn't, I think I'm getting to be the cratchy old man now because I didn't think I was like that before. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what though. Uh, so some people, when I was married, uh, got married, they would say like- Which time? Your, your, your husband never shut up. What's that? I said, which time? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Maybe a couple of- So, uh, so the first one, they, they would say uh, like, the president would ever shut up and she'd go, and he doesn't talk that much at home. When I would get to the rink, seriously, I think I talked so much at the rink, I didn't have anything left on it. You modeled it all up, saving it for the rink. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, that is interesting, right? When you see, you talk to the guys. Um, well, what do you miss most? To be honest with you, I don't miss that much. I, like, I loved playing. I think I've moved on from the game. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. The game's been fantastic to me. You know, I, you know, I think it was maybe easier for me because I wasn't that big knee player. And I was a good player. Uh, but, so for me to move on to something else, I just, and again, I've been fortunate to do all the stuff with True Good Life, podcasts, writing a book, uh, you know, I've done other things in my life. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, okay, that's a chapter in my life. It was fantastic. I worked hard to achieve it. It was a dream come true, but it's time to move on. Yeah. And I think, I think when you get down to it, we're, we're yeah, we have a hockey theme, but we're telling people's yeah. stories yeah. and that's the most important thing. It's not really, you know, it, it's not X's nose and it's not about, you know, yeah. We'll all throw out the number of gold and stuff, but it's about their stories and their life journey. And that's really what this just oh, this show is. 
the uh, the thing that really I don't think I don't know if you expected I certainly did not. Yeah, talking to the guys about uh, suicide or attempted suicide. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've had uh, out of the eighty shows we've done that we had six guys right that. Uh, I yeah, a lot of guys, and that's the ones that just said some probably held that in too because yeah. God, you know, guys went to some dark places, and that's that's sad. And you know what, too, I like is that they're willing to talk about this openly now, too, to help other people and are very often helping young kids. Kelly Rudy opened up about his mental health issues. Yeah. The one that really surprised me the most, I guess, because I didn't know it was, was Mike Allison. Yeah, you were right there, too. Yeah. You know what? I kind of, I do feel bad because I, the person I am now would know how to help him. And I think he maybe feel more comfortable to come to me for help just from me back then. You know, a 25-year-old, you wouldn't know what to do, you know? And I feel bad about that that I wouldn't have. But yeah, imagine how we feel. Yeah, imagine how he felt though, right? Um, I yeah. talked to some other people. They found him sitting in the shower, uh, just curled up like a ball. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. That's that's yeah. yeah. Well, and he talked. You know, and I talked so glowingly about her Brooks and how much he meant to my career. But in that case with Mike Allison, it wasn't just his career. It was torturous. Yeah, yeah, for his life. You know, and and that leads me to something. You know, I often bring up how my favorite player was Mark Pavlich, and sadly. No one was able to help him, you know, but why, you know, on a, a different note, why don't you tell me, like, tell us like a good Pavlik story, because obviously he was a great player for the Rangers, Olympian, scored five goals in a game for the Rangers. Like, give me a good Pav story. Oh, it's a few. So Pav was famous for, uh, like, we had the dress code, we had to wear a tie and then suit jacket, or jacket to the games. So Pav would always, regular, like, go to practice, he had a pair of corduroy pants and a plaid shirt. And in different colors, whatever, he didn't really care what he put with which. So uh, to get dressed up for the game, he would wear that same plaid shirt and a and the uh, corduroy pants, and he just put a jacket on and a tie. So he'd had like six different colors, and he could care less. That that was one of the biggest things about him. Like we're in New York City, you know, Rod Duguay, Ron Greshner, Barry Back, you know, all the nice suits and you know, pretty women and all this kind of stuff. Bab would just flow in, his hair not uh, combed at all, and just had the flat. And it, he did it so much, it just was, wasn't a big deal to us anymore. Right. I, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess I can tell the story. He, like, so he was a Midwest kid, you know, like smoke pot. I think. So he would, after practice, he, he loved singing Bob Dylan songs and he played the guitar. So he'd go home after practice and sit in his apartment and, you know, it, Ron wasn't getting in any trouble and smoke pot and sing Bob Dylan songs. He couldn't, he'd come in at the next uh, practice. He couldn't talk because he just purred his throat. Oh, wow. Uh, smoking pot all day. Well, you know, it, it, but now they're using cannabis to help with, with yes. PTSD and with, with those type of head injuries. Yeah. So, you know, maybe and, it's and, a good yeah. thing. And that's the thing. I don't ever recall, like I've done other interviews, I don't ever recall being concerned about his mental health, that there's something wrong with him. And just viewed that he was this Midwest kid that liked to hunt and fish and yeah. care less about New York City, wanted to be great at his, like I joke around about smoking pot, but he was the first guy on, on the ice to practice too. Like he worked hard on his own and his craft. I don't think that, that there's that, like I like I dreamed all my life of playing in the National Hockey League. You know, if I hadn't made it, I, I probably would have been death, devastated. But Pav, he, he wanted to play in the National Hockey League, but if it didn't work, like he retired early. Yeah, he really early. He left the game. Yeah, actually, he asked me to represent him. Uh, we wanted to come back to, but he, it was the year or two, so nobody had any interest anymore. Yeah, he came, he came back for like four games, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and even people would ask, like, he like it was worried that he wanted to live out in the woods in Minnesota. No, it just that was Pat. That's the way he yeah. lived his life. He was funny. Like he, uh, I think I had done something to him joking around. So he went out to my cheap and opened up the hood and took off one of the uh, spark plug caps. <laughs> but. And again, me just plowing through. I didn't know that he did it. But, and finally, he came back to me a couple of days later. He says, and he came and fixed it right in front of me. And I just, he didn't even notice. Like, he yeah. knew my whole joke. Like, <laughs> right, right. And that, you know, and obviously he, he was, for a little guy, he's probably, what, 5'7"? Yeah. He he had no problem getting, going to the corners, battling, taking on the bigger guys. And I, again, like I said, he was my favorite player. And, you know, you know rest in peace, Mark. And, um, you know, was, I, I do, I do remember when he scored, I do remember he scored five goals in one game. And uh, everybody else is going nuts in the buildings. Mark Pavley's played in the Indian Olympic team, scoring five goals. Yeah. It was like, what's the big deal? Really? There was nothing. I was excited, you know. As he recently saw a picture, I think Barry Beck posted a picture online of him holding the five bucks. Yep. And he kind of had the look on his face like, okay, I'll do this, but I don't know what the big deal is. Well, the, you know, that leads to another point that could, they, they said when he got interviewed, he hated it. They said they'd have to, you would get sponsor gifts when you, when you're on, yeah. get interviewed back in the eighties, right? Yeah. So they said they would give him fish equipment. Or yes. He'd do it. Yes. That's right. Yeah, and he got one on the road one time. He's he's walking through the airport with a fishing pole the whole time, and just you didn't want to ship it or like that. He was going to carry it around. So, what were some of the cool things you got? Like, what happens with that? This is the, the PR guy go over to you and say, "Hey, we want to interview you now. Can you jump in there?" Like, yeah, a lot of it's like restaurant stuff. You know, like gift certificates to restaurants. 
I'll tell you the one funny story though, that uh, one of the fun times uh, we had, like we didn't travel uh, by charter most of the times, yeah, hardly ever by charter, it was just a commercial flight. Wow. So they would give us uh, like a block of seats in the plane. So we're all together, but there's also all the other people. So now we come on the flight. So here's like all these like 25 guys that are pretty big, jacked up and everything, got suits on. All right, and we're, we're just being goofballs too, you know, like, mm-hmm. like little kids, you know, very often it's in the morning, hung over, hung over from the date night before. And uh, it was a free-for-all. Like, I still can't sleep on planes now because I did so much stuff to uh, the players. If I fell asleep on the plane, they would have gotten terrible. Sure. Like, guys, you know, guys would take the shoes off, would grab their shoes while they're sleeping, and then uh, he has to get off off the plane. He can't, doesn't know who's got the staff. He knows one of us has his shoes. Right. He knows he's going to get them back. So then we go to this, is obviously before 9-11, and then we go to the carousel, and we put the shoes on the carousel. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here comes the guy's shoes. And I remember all these other people around, too. You know, we'd shut, we'd cut off their ties, put sheet right. cream on their head, all that kind of stuff. We would, uh, and we had this uh, game where a dollar from the first bag, so everybody put in a dollar. Whoever's bag came out first, they'd get the pile of money. Um, we would also do funny things where guys would go um, onto the carousel and pretend they're a statue just standing there. So we'd, you know, go back around to the place sure, where they yeah. put bags on. So now this guy would come out and he's, he's a statue just standing there staring. And the other people were like, what is going on? Now, what if like there was a ten-year-old fan who was very respectful, and you know, on that flight with you, and asked you guys for autographs? Would you be like, "Oh, guys, we like tone it down. There's a kid here." No, well, as far as making sure our language was, the guys are very respectful of kids. Yeah, we, that was one thing. Kids and women, uh, you know, being careful with our language was, you know, in fact, if a guy would use some bad language, maybe he didn't know the kid was there or whatever. Yeah, the rest of the guys would really say to him, "Hey, be careful, there's a kid right there." Gotcha. And as far as kids that coming up and asking for autographs, that was. We never, I don't, I don't recall a guy ever turning down a kid for an autograph. No, I think you turned me down in 1982 when I asked for an autograph. I'm, I actually, you didn't. I think I have one somewhere actually. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I we, I think I, on, on the show, I mentioned how my son's team played at, at the garden and how, um, he got, my son got to sit on the bench with me because of Banjad. Yeah. Well, he did the, the, I guess it's called pregame buddies or bench buddies. Bench buddies. Oh yeah. Yeah. They put like four or five kids on the bench before the game. It's excellent. It's incredible. They do that. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, they gave them pogs and they fist bump and talked to them. And we had this great conversation with Spanajad. So we just took a picture. We videoed it. We took a picture. Right. And then we went to the game the other night. I went with my roller hockey league, New York City roller hockey league. We got sweet. We had a great time. But my son came and he bought the bunch of pictures in case we saw someone to get signed. And we were outside and mobbed with the people around the car. And it turned out to be was Spanajad. So my oh. son went over and talked to him. And he was like, oh, this is so cool. He's such a great picture. And he was such a really nice guy and took time to sign yeah. for everybody. And my son absolutely loved that. So I think. Again, when you see you know, the guys are, the, yeah. yeah, I think the big thing is most guys that come up playing national have had that same experience when they're a kid, when they get to meet somebody. I was lucky to meet Bobby Hull when I was a kid at uh, Make Me Curve yeah. in Toronto. And I'll never forget how nice he was to me. And I think I always remember that now when I get a chance to interact with the young boy, I young guy, oh, Toby, I think it is. Hope I've got his name right. We were in Long Island probably five or six years ago in an event. He's a tiny little goalie. So we got our picture taken together. I'm standing behind him. I'm kind of leaning down because he's so small. I think it's the first time he had the equipment on. Uh-huh. So I see, I've seen him probably two or three other times and we keep getting the same picture taken as he's growing up. Uh, so he's, awesome. he's always fired. His, his dad comes out to me and goes, man, he just, he just loves you. Man. Awesome. Awesome. Keep doing it, man. Yeah. Totally. You know, I, I, I told the story, we, I bumped into at a hospital event and I had my son with me. I said, uh, Hey, it's your buddy Ledge's uh, Ledge is a nickname they gave you when you were, you know, I said, this is Ledge's his favorite player. And Thomas goes, well, he's not my favorite player. And, he, and he's, like, he's like, he's up there. But. Thomas, your son's good. He did the eight, your, all three of your kids are good. They make fun of me. They do imitations of me. I mean, it's not true. Good. It's lovingly, though. It's not, it's yeah, very respectful and lovingly. And, and, yeah. Eddie Osborne's good interview. Uh, I like the fact interview. that he broke some news there. Like he went back, talked about the brawl they had in what, 87 against the Flyers? Yeah, with the, with the Canadians and the Flyers. And he was very yeah. worried about about breaking that news. But I think, I think yeah. the central limitations has passed. I think he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the story is, you know, you guys have seen or listened to it on the show, but he, um, Keenan had too many, you know, it was too many. He could dress as many he wanted for warm-ups. He had more guys warm-ups. 30 guys to warm up. Yeah. And so he, he planned that whole thing. He wanted to get it, get it going. Yeah. And they weren't, they weren't just regular extra guys. They were all brawlers all over. Yeah. It was funny too. We, Chris Nyland does his podcast. What's it called? Bare Knuckles? Bare Knuckles. Bare Knuckles? Raw Knuckles. Had, he, raw Knuckles. Raw Knuckles. He had, uh, Dave Brown on, uh, they fought a few times. They fought in that brawl. Sure. Yeah, Dave Brown on the show. It's just interesting to see two guys that are fought like that. That's right. I forgot to shout out Knuckles. He was on our, our show early on yeah. too. And you and yeah, he was a he's a great guest, great story. He's real, real open and honest with his addiction yeah. and his problems too and, and his upbringing. Real great yeah. story. Great guy too. You know who I wish we could have had on before he passed was Kirk Kirk Gillies. 
Yeah. Yeah. What a, yeah. What, a, what a great guy he was. Unbelievable. I, you know, we did that other show, the live show, show where I'm talking to you. Um, and, uh, it's funny because Clark was watching it on Facebook and all of a sudden he contacts me and I was thinking, what the heck does Clark Phillies want with me? And, uh, he was like a little kid. He said, Tommy, can I come on? Can I come on? That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so we got to be pretty well, not really close, friendly uh, before he passed. So great, great man. Did a lot in the community too. They named the rink out there where he lives after him. And Long Island, yeah, yeah, they did. And a great tribute. I mean, obviously he's a guy who was a Hall of Famer, a tough guy, set up for his teammates, won all those cups. You know, yeah. Ranger nemesis. That oh god, man. I go. I think go back to his, I mean, obviously burn you more. You play, but as a kid, that was my wheelhouse. And man, they beat you guys every year, and it was so heartbreaking. Oh. Hey, that '84 series. I still look back. That was the best team of the Rangers. I think I played on. Uh, and Gillies even said so when we did the show that uh, if we had won that series, he thought we could have won the Stanley Cup. But he said that. I was like, oh, made it even worse. And I was a compliment, but it was even worse because we should have won that series in, in Keep Four or at back of the garden. Um, and- yeah, you, you heard us there. And I, you know, I want to shout out, I'm going to give a fan's perspective. You were watching that game in New Jersey and it's, you know, this drive for five. And Pat, you know, Pat takes that shot. Maloney ties it up with 39 seconds left on that high stick. And then I'm watching and, you know, we, uh, my, we call my friend Ed Borowski, who now lives in LA, listens to the show all the time. Thanks, Ed. And the whole hey, Ed. Ed Borowski, cruiser. So he, cruiser, all right. We, so we call him and, you know, hey, we're like, yeah, we got you. We got you. F you, F you. And then Morrow scores and he called back and he's like, yeah, hey, F you guys, F you guys. And we was just, we were, my brother and I were crying. And we and were, had so many chances to win that game, too. Like, did you yeah. have Brock, Miko Lennon, and all the good chances? Yeah. And it, we, we talked about the play where Tonelli, I think he, Grabs Lennon in and they trips Larry Patty on the same play, yeah, no penalty. Yeah. I know that's cool. the way it was back then, especially in an overtime game. They're not going to call anything. Yeah. Then you But speaking of LA, we, we had some, we had Daryl Evans on and Bernie Nichols and uh, yeah. Glenn Healy. We got some good fans from LA too. We have Matt Hankin, who was a big fan, and Dan Hopper, who are also big fans of the show LA listeners. Hopper, got, they call him Hops. Right? Yeah. They call him Hop. Yeah. Big guy. Big he played the BCHL hockey oh. player. Great family. Yep. They're listeners. We got, of course, we have Coach Nate Brown of Minnesota who listens all the time. Yeah. Doesn't want to hear cooking tips. Only wants to hear us talk about goalies and football. Yeah. Well, you. Oh, my turkey that I make all oh, this year was unbelievable. Well, uh, there you go. Here you go, Coach Nate. Here it comes. Yeah, the gravy was the best. So I really nailed down the gravy. So you put like capers, a celery, onion, and garlic in the roasting pan underneath the turkey. So all the drippings get in there. You look looking like you're bored. You're leaning on. Oh, the truth is, I, I'm drinking this this water, this sparkling water, and I'm burp so out. Oh, they're I'm like, they're I haven't heard you. It's not there yet, though. Oh, okay. But I can so, feel it, so I keep moving. Sorry. So then you put the, all those things in the blender after they're cooked with a couple of tablespoons of flour. Pour that back into the pan and with some chicken stock. Oh my lord, just heaven. Sounds good, to, you know, to a vegetarian. It sounds like it's okay. Yeah, because you know, it's all vegetable. Pretty healthy. Well, except for the turkey and the chicken stock and the, whatever else you put in there. Well, the chicken stock, though, yes, it's got chicken, in there, but it's also got a lot of vegetables in there too. Yeah, I'll just do it. I do ravioli at, at the holidays. That's, That's what right. we do. Well, Christine cooks turkey all the time, but I don't, I don't need it. Christine's a wonderful wife. My wonderful wife. She's a listener of the show sometime, reluctantly. Uh, she listens. She's a big fan. She's a big Laidlaw fan. So, um, okay. So we had the funniest guest we do, who we decided who the funniest was? It was I, I think Lakota was really yeah. I think he was yeah. really funny. Yeah, he's a good oh, storyteller. You know, I, I, do, I did like Dave Silk. Um, what a great guest. Good reunion you and him had. Also... He's your buddy, but I always gauge how how the people are, like what kind of people they are, how they treat me, because I'm not a hockey, I'm not a then play with them. And he was one of the best. And he just sent us lobster for Christmas. So thanks there, Dave Sim. Yeah. yeah, he's funny. I know I've told this too. I, I made a mistake with him because I got on about two days before the show. Yeah. And we started telling little stories and we were crying laughing at some stupid things we did. And so it kind of ruined it. That wasn't ruined it, but it no, ruined not at all. We better. But some of us like we told a story about putting all the food on the kitchen floor and then running the way. Oh, but you didn't tell the story that I want to hear and the fans want to hear. Um, you know, I, I coach at Sportorama, and when I mentioned Sportorama to you, the first time we started talking, you said, oh, yeah, Dave Silk and I, blah, 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 at Sportorama. And I said, let's tell that story, and it hasn't been told yet. We can't. That's an X-rated story. You can't tell the show. We're going to have to hear that story so, soon. It's going to get out there for you. Maybe in the second second year of the show. Yeah. Oh, God. What a night that was. Oh. Let's see. Who else can we? We we were crying, though. That's just from some, some stuff. Excuse me. This fun stuff for me. Like getting guys like Mike Allison on and Dave Silk, guys I spent a lot of time with playing with them. And uh, to think about the old stories we had. They were both great. And, and we've had some guests on who we tried and they had some technological challenges. Mike, uh, Mike Allison, had, he was talking to us with generator power. Yeah, yeah, that's right. One put the generator crap the bend. How about Rick Middleton when he told the story about the strip drive? 
He was great. He was funny too. Very dry, but very, very you, funny. You were good that day too, because he wasn't good. He started to tell the stripper story and then he was going to stop. And then you, and you jumped on it right away. No, no, you got to tell it. You gotta tell it. I think he wanted to tell no, it. No, he, I could get a little bit, but he was, he was awesome, man. He was great. And we, you know, we had to, we were lucky enough to have, I think we've, some of the shows have been like a show like this, like a wrap up show. Maybe we've had 77 guests, 78 guests. And they've been great. I, I just, I love doing this. We got a great. I mean, if you look at our team, we have like two all-star teams worth of uh, yeah of guests. We That's right, guys. We got some more coming up too. We're getting more and more in touch with the alumni associations from around the league, so they'll give us access to all the players. So we're getting like the the invite for us and people like that. Yeah, and we, we, we've had great fans since day one. You know, we have Robbie Carr and Eddie Carr, friends of mine, Mike Azron, who did our logo and our design. Mike Vitaco, who's the voice in the beginning of the show. Vitaco. Mike Vitaco. You remember you made his uh, uncle. Somehow you were someone's favorite player. And uh, remember, he's isn't amazing you, that I, I get that. Didn't you really tell him the truth? Did he really was their favorite? Yes, absolutely, sure. I played in a charity game where a, a guy uh, one sit right beside me in the charity game too. He, he brought his jersey from when he was a kid, a small kid, and it was a laid lot jersey. It was a tiny little jersey. No, yeah, you signed, I, you signed it for him, right? Yeah, I've got a picture taken too. I'll show you. It's pretty cute. Uh, please show me. We'll put that up online. That's awesome. You know what it is? It really is. I think more as you've gotten older. To think that you made a difference in kids' lives just by the way, shooting the way you played. There's my burp there. There it is. You got yours out. I'm still working on it. Uh, speaking of people making a difference, Jeff Olson in New York City. He's a great hockey player. He's a coach at, at Oli. Uh, Oli. Jeff Olson. Jeff, yeah, I don't think anyone calls him Oli, but he listens every show and he's like, when, I don't hear my name on there. I don't hear my name on there. Uh, all right, Jeff. Jeff. All right, Jeff. Real good player. He's coached the Skyliners out at the, uh, what do they call it? The City Ice in Long Island City. Have you been to that one? It's like the Budble. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Long Island City. Yeah, it's a nice one. You know, as a kid, I used to play at the Nick Fatigue rink in Staten Island. There was a bubble on, uh, in, I think it was in New Dorp, Staten Island. Do you know all the pucks are square there? Yeah. Nicky, <laughs> why is that? Well, Nicky Stinkhouse, he's Nicky Stinkhouse. We were at an alumni meeting a few years ago, and I'm sitting right beside Nicky, too. And uh, they're talking about some of the places that Rick Nadeau, what he used to be with the Rangers, uh, okay. alumni meeting. And uh, good man, Rick Nadeau is as well. Or is it NATO? I think he goes by NATO. But um, so he's talking to some of the facilities, and Nicky goes, oh, I've been to that one. So I piped in and says, well, is that why all the parks are square there? And the, at first, everybody kind of paused and they could have, kind of think about it. And they're, they're going, I can't said that. He put me in the headlock through the meeting. Did you really? Oh, yeah. And so it looked like he could probably throw. But yeah. his, his, he had this rink. I guess it was just named after him where he was involved in, it in Staten Island. And then one day they're like, well, the, the season's canceled because the hurricane came in. The, the bubble just blew into the ocean. Oh. Wow. And that was, it, that was it for that rink. So the bubble yeah, New Dorf there. New Dorf, Staten Island. But um, we used yeah, to call Nicky Pie Face. Nicky pie face too, when he was when he was throwing pucks in the to the blue seats, we, and yeah, that's just very mean, Tom. When when he was throwing those pucks into the blue seats, were you guys like Nick? Come on, what are you doing, man? Make us look. You know what? I I, I was wondering about that sometimes, but people going into the rink would say to him, Nicky, I'm this this section I'm in there. Please throw me pucks. So it was like once he started doing it, it was. Uh, you don't think it really amazed me? Now they've got the big mesh up behind the uh, the nets. But, Man, we had like you get 20, 25 pucks out on the ice. You guys are firing them off the crossbar. I'm surprised more people didn't get hit. Yeah, for real. That, yeah. Well, if you remember, so Nick and anyone who's old enough to remember this, like it was a thrill when he, at the end of warm ups, he'd get the pucks. And if he reached the uh, the blue seats, people would go bananas. The crowd would go crazy, you know? And I always tried to get, I always wanted to get him to throw me a puck. And then one day he just flipped one over the glass three. And I was like, that was like a kid. In, I in, uh, told the story, but uh, the Nick Fatio story with Dave Maloney and I on the ice and Herb Burks coaching. He did. So, I have told story. Oh man, it's funny. Those are the things like when they get a guy like Dean Maloney on, we start thinking about those moments. Like Dave, I, like I got the ice, and Dean's the older player because Herb didn't want us to pass the Nicky at the red line because he'd now circle back, especially the, the crowd. Winded up to get the speed up, right? Oh yeah, the crowd's going nuts and everything. Herb's on the bench, just kicking and screaming, and yelling, no, no, no. Yeah. So he was saying to us, don't pass the puck up to Nicky anymore. So we go on the ice, Dave, are we not going to pass to Nicky? Dave goes, oh yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so we passed it up to him. Oh God, it's so funny. Watch. Obviously, everybody loved Fatigue. Like he was a uh, yeah. big yeah. fan favorite. We're, we're trying to get him on the show. He's you know he's having some technological issues yeah. too, but we'll we'll get him because he wants people want to hear from him and okay. we'll, we'll just be a little persistent. The other show we did before the live one, it was his version was the uh, or episode was the, the probably the most popular one we did. There's like ten thousand people that listened to us. Wow, yeah, our, our most popular episode is still Pierre Larouche, our first one. That that's you know, I think that's how I like my guest. Pierre, you know another one I thought was good was Clint Larshark. Uh, he's great. Sad way. Yeah, like his story, uh, they, yep. you get this throat slashed. And when we asked him, like, what were you thinking about when you're on the ice after you get throat slashed? He just, matter of fact, he goes, death. You know? Yeah, don't die. Well, he said, don't die in front of mom on TV. Yeah, I know. And oh, so, I mean, God, that's so that's so heavy. Yeah, you know? like that's. And I, 
and I couldn't. Now, he was having fun with it too because he tell he's told the story. So when he talked about trying to shoot himself, or he did shoot himself, it just didn't work. And I, I'm sitting there going, should I say it or should I say it? And this is not say it. And I couldn't help myself because again, he was he was laughing anyway too. So I said, you're a bad shot. Yeah. Well, I don't think I I don't feel bad at when he he's a, a horse a dentist, yeah. which is yeah. incredible. And I said, how did, how did they do a Tom Steed? You know, because <laughs> oh god. You know, Corey Hirsch was good too. I liked him very different. He's, he's giving back a lot. Even, you know, we talked about him being funny, but Richie Peel on his show is very touching too, talking about his attempted suicide and how he told his son in front of everybody. Yeah. Imagine that and giving a speech in front of a whole crowd and his son's not on the side. He said, Hey, buddy, listen, I did some things here. You know, that's yeah. pretty heavy, man. Yeah. Uh, everybody go listen to the episode. It's fantastic. It's really yeah. great in that uh, he talks very openly about his drug addiction. Um, and how he felt when he went to tap suicide. Now, how he's helping other people. And yeah. same thing, he, he uses horses to. No, oh, yeah, equine therapy, which is awesome. That's part of the ranch he does. I forgot what it's called. Uh, I forgot the name of the ranch, but he's got that ranch with uh, the Mark Pavlich's sister. Yeah. Helps with that, and they get athletes there, and they kind of help them, you know, overcome. Well, Jason Nolan was probably the most intelligent guy we've had on. He was in like academia. Which he, who means of the academic world. And, uh, you know, I just got a text from my brother. He's like, hey, the Podolan episode was great. Yes, said, it's Podolan. So. <laughs> it's Podolan. But my brother, Damon, in the Carolinas, him and his hockey team, um, they, they're big listeners. They, uh, they love the show. So thanks for that, guys. Yeah, Podolan's are, are worth the one to listen to. Very educational. Talking about his series with young kids that we coach. How to sure. deal with coaches and build a relationship. I never really looked at it that way, but it's, I, it's pretty, especially nowadays, you know, the culture's changed a little bit. You know, it, then you absolutely have to, things have definitely changed that those, you know, my way, the highway days are over. You know, these these kids have some power in that. Well, these programs need the, you know, there's a lot to compete with. So they need these players and players stick around because it, it's money for the organization. You know? Well, who did we have that attempted suicide? So it was, it was, uh, uh, Malarchuk, Kirsch, Pilon. Mike Allison. Mike Allison. There's a few more if we go back. Um, yeah. I have to look. But, I think that would be the most, when we started this whole thing, I would think the, both the number of guys that had attempted, just the fact that suicide at all, uh, that would be the biggest surprise for me. I didn't, I did not anticipate that that was going to happen and how good they are talking about it now, uh, to help other people. Yeah. We, from, from this side of the fan side, we, we just think, especially when we're kids, we think you guys are like these superheroes, you know, like you guys can do no wrong. And then, you know, the reality is you guys are fucked up like everybody else's, you know, maybe even more so. That's probably the biggest surprise for you, right? That you really never been around. Yeah. Sometimes, especially early when we started doing the show, we get off, and I'm so used to hearing all this stuff. We get up to show Tom, go, you're just shaking your head, like I can't. Yes, no. I mean, I, I don't want you guys to be, but I didn't. I also worked in TV in that industry. You know, actors are pretty similar to you guys in that they're poor, and they also have a lot of issues. You know, so. Yeah. But I, well, our issues are, you know, again, we, we were blessed to play, but you kind of give up. Well, no, you shouldn't give up. You're treated differently your whole life because you're this good little occupation. You get away with things you should not get away with. Yep. Uh, and then now that just continues on into your adult life. And then all of a sudden now you retire, you know, 30 or 35 years old and everybody else now that's gone to school, they're starting a career, their families and all that. Now all of a sudden you're going out in the world, not having a clue about screwed up yep. you are, what a screwed up life you had. Now all of a sudden you got to adjust all that. So. And that's, again, that's the gist of the show is right there. It's like the yeah. change from, in, from, you know, this. Oh, seg- we call that a segue, don't we? That's cool. Like it's almost a good way to go to a rap here, you know? Like, we could wrap this up on that. That's a good, that is a segue. Look at you. You're like a, you're like a burgeoning Jason Padolan. Yeah, we're going to have this in the can. Wow, man. Once we get, you know, once we get it cut and we sweeten it, we'll, we'll be good. Oh, nice. I'm getting excited here. There, <laughs> there I can see. Anyway, what a year. Thank you, everyone, for being part of this journey, for listening to these shows. We hope to bring you lots more. We hope that we ask you to just please like it, share it, download it listen to it leave us a review on apple tell your friends and just you know email us at fullchangepodcast at gmail.com yeah we're getting bigger and bigger have a fantastic new year's all right grasshoppers thank you for listening we had a fantastic show we'll see you next time hey full change listeners we'd love to hear from you reach out to us at fullchangepodcast at gmail.com with suggestions, ideas, stories about Tom, anything you want to hear, any guests you want to see, we'd love to hear your feedback. We know you're from all over the world, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And if it's in Polish or Hungarian, Tom can translate. (laughs) Absolutely. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. 
Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.